I, I just shudder to think when our children go to school these days, and in many school systems, if not all, we're called intolerant. I can imagine how confusing that is to my grandchildren that have been taught that a marriage is between a man and a woman. It was Adam and Eve, and I don't say this jokingly, it wasn't Adam and Steve. Part of our responsibility as a church and as Christians is to be salt and light in the world we live in. But why does it seem like the salt has lost its flavor? Why does our light seem so dim in such a dark world? There is no better time for Christians to answer the call and stand for righteousness. It is of utmost importance that we the church, we the church, we the church are diligent with every opportunity that God gives us to impact this country. We're in the Somebody Loves You studio and we are starting a new podcast and you're going to see many episodes in the weeks to come. You know, with Pastor Raul, you just saw him on the video with, with some others from our congregation as well, speaking about and exhorting on the purpose of voting and the need of voting. We are living in very important days. All of us can uh, understand that 2020 has been an interesting year, a year that we are always going to remember. But when it comes to voting, I think it's very important for the body of Christ to understand our role. I'm in studio with Pastor Dale, Pastor Scott, and Pastor Wade, and we're going to uh, continue having these episodes. And what I wanted to start off with today is first, um, Dale, why is voting so important? Because sometimes I hear that in discussions, like, should a Christian vote? Why is voting important? Well, I can only tell you this. Um, and it's a saying that we've all heard, all that's necessary for evil to take place is for good people to do nothing. I just shudder to think at the end of the next election, should the, the 50 million Christians who did not vote, statistically, I, I understand, estimated 50 million Christians didn't vote in the 2016 election. If they don't vote this time around and we begin to lose our biblical freedoms, our constitutional freedoms, because we're Christians, and believe me, that is very likely going to happen, then we can't turn and blame anybody. I think right now, we not only have to learn about all of the bills that are being presented to all, all of the pro propositions, all of the candidates, this is probably the most important election we'll see in our lifetime. I, I believe we're at a turning point. And I remember what Ronald Reagan said, he said, we're only one generation away at any time from losing our religious freedoms one generation away yeah. scott what would you add to that you know for for you you are obviously uh, patriotic you, you know politics i mean you keep up with them uh, enough you know looking at 2020 that same question why is voting in 2020 so important you know um having dealing with youth and stuff right now too there and i like what dale said that many million Christians didn't vote. And I don't think, uh, you know, a lot of the major issues, uh, 
the marriage issue, the abortion issue, those things have been settled, quote unquote, in court. But it doesn't mean that we as Christians should just lay back and go, well, that's the lay of the law, the lay of the land now, and we don't have any say in it. I, I talk to young people a lot, and they always say the same thing, well, what's my one vote going to do? But it's not the one person, it's just pretty much the attitude of an entire culture. And I think we, as our responsibility as Americans, God has given us wisdom. God has given us understanding. And we are to take those biblical principles. And if you look at our Constitution from the very inception, the men that wrote those laws, that came up with those, those, those laws, were men that sought God. And they wrote a Constitution that is by no means flawless, but it's pretty darn near close to be in a perfect set of, of, of being able to, to you know, execute a justice across the board. And, and like Dale said, when we fail to recognize that those things are being chipped away and they're being taken away from us, then we have no one to blame but ourselves. And I think that Americans, not just Christians alone, but everybody, especially the Christians, need to wake up and say it is our Christian duty to, to vote and to make our voices heard not only to God, but also to the men that God puts in, in power. So... Wade, you teach um, the pursuit study, which is a college age study. So when we say college age, we're thinking of ages 18 to like the late 20s. So there are those that are now going to be able to vote some for the first time in that age bracket. What would you say to them as well? Um, you, you know, especially being here in California, maybe they say, well, you know, my vote's not going to matter one way or the other. What would you say to them? I think there's there's two reasons that come to my mind um, initially one is a biblical responsibility to steward freedom that the Lord has given you um, you know the Bible says in 2nd Corinthians that uh, one day we will have to give an account to God for the deeds done in our body and so to not vote to simply do nothing um, when evil does begin to prevail and we get, we continue to see the the loss of freedom and the foundation of our nation continue to erode, we have no foot to stand on before the Lord. Um, so it is our biblical responsibility to vote. And second, um, one thing that's interesting amongst the younger people is some of them that have been here for a period of time now are beginning to get married, are beginning to have children, and just uh, those two things, marriage and family, having a family, beginning of a family, uh, changes the mindset of younger people. You you tend to think differently when it's no longer about you. And so this election to me, and I hope to a lot of younger viewers or listeners, is an opportunity to secure uh, freedom for the future of your children. Um, and that's to me what all of this is about. You have to have some sort of foresight or perspective uh, for the future of America. You know, what we're going to be doing, and we highlighted it, Scott mentioned it a little bit, but what we're going to do on these upcoming podcasts is we're going to focus on four issues. Uh, one's going to be marriage. One's going to be the pro-life stands, the church, the importance of the church, and then for Israel. As Dale said, make sure that you go through all of the, the propositions that are there. Make sure you go through all of the candidates all signed so you can see everything in detail but i believe that these are the four things that we want to focus as as a church and we want to discuss them and we want to you kind of unwrap of why it's so important so today's episode is going to be on on marriage and this is important because it's foundational the family's foundational um we are all pastors we have all done many weddings over the years we have 
I would say out of our marriage uh, calls that come in, whether phone calls or walk-ins or councils or prayer, a high percentage, I think we would all agree, has to do with marriage or with their children or, you know, the family unit. Um, very important for us to look at what marriage is and a biblical view of marriage. So what I want to start off in, in this um, episode is breaking down what is the biblical view of marriage given to us in the Bible. Yeah, what would you want to? I go right to the book of Genesis. Uh, it's the clearest uh, picture that we have. It's the most easily understood, and yet it's the most commonly ignored. It says in Genesis chapter 2 that God created a man, and then out of the sight of that man he created a woman. And he named him Adam and Eve, a man and a woman. And then he brought them together. And the Bible says he brought Eve to the, to the man. And they became one flesh. And that, that, that simplicity of defining what marriage is is so perfect. It's all about procreation. It's all about bonding. It's all about strength. We're told that two are better than one. God has given to us a helpmate that is equal to us in our wives. And then I, I just shudder to think when our children go to school these days, and in many school systems, if not all, we're called intolerant. And I can imagine how confusing that is to my grandchildren that have been taught that a marriage is between a man and a woman. It was Adam and Eve, and, and I don't say this jokingly, it wasn't Adam and Steve. And yet you watch sitcom after sitcom. You watch, you, you, you hear about book be, books being written time and time again that are being handed to our children and our grandchildren. I, I, I love uh, everybody. I, I don't have hatred towards people. But I know God hates sin. And it's nothing less than sin um, to teach that a marriage is between two people of the same gender. Um, I'm not telling people how to live their life, and I want to make that perfectly clear. But if we're going to keep our country strong, it's going to be based upon the principles of God's Word because I believe that the family unit, the marriages in our country, are the very bedrock of our strength. M more strong than all the armaments we have is a, a husband and a wife who will defend their house for their children. Uh, I'm a veteran, and I have but one thought from coming back from Vietnam, and that was to be with my family. It was a different time then. I don't see that strength uh, in numbers anymore. It's something we need to turn back to, return to, 
anybody that's listening this to this that is in my era anyway or can remember what their fathers and mothers taught them at the dinner table. It's that the family is a unit that must be appreciated, cared for, and protected. You know, you brought up where the first marriage is instituted in the book of Genesis. And I think for all of us, as we do weddings, that's always one in, in reference. But you know who, who else does that? The New Testament, Jesus, Paul. Whenever you speak about, now you think about where marriage began there in the Garden of Eden. The two shall come together, become one pl- flesh, join together. God created man, and God is the creator of all things. He created men differently than the woman. No matter what our society tries to say today and things continue getting so misconstrued, a woman is designed differently than a man, and that is ordained by God. I remember hearing a a talk by Ravi Zacharias, and he was asked this question, and it was on homosexuality, but he really just brought it back to the book of, of Genesis and said that, isn't it interesting that it said that in the book of Genesis, it's not, that, it's not good that man should be alone. Then he asked the question, but was man alone? And the answer is, no, he wasn't alone. He had God himself. He had the animal kingdom that was around him as well. But it was something so special that he designed in the woman to be the complete complementary aspect of the man. And God's design is always perfect. We know that sin came into the human race and there was a downfall and there was the the fall of sin. And if you fast forward into the New Testament, I think this is important because whenever you leave time span from that creation, you will see, and we're going to kind of mirror that in some things in our own modern time and society, when you leave the, the foundation, it can be left up for interpretation of other people. And Jesus, when he was questioned about divorce, and the, uh, the, the Pharisees and the scribes are questioning, can a man divorce his right wife for any reason? When Jesus gives his response, he said that was only instituted or put there because of the hardness of your heart. But from the beginning, it was not so. It takes him back to Genesis. When Paul is speaking to the church of Ephesus, a pagan society, you want to do things right. You want to be led by the Spirit of God. You want to honor your wife. You want to have a home that is built on the blueprint of God's plan. Well, in the book of Ephesians chapter 5, Paul gives a breakdown, but then he gives, at the end of his talk, he gives a reference to the book of Genesis as well. Why is that so important, Scott? What would you want to add on what Dale spoke, what what I was just speaking on, when it comes to that foundational biblical principle of marriage? Well, I mean, you kind of touched on a little bit. um, I believe that marriage, the word marriage and and the constitution, and the, the, I mean, not the American constitution, but the the breakdown of what marriage is was instituted by God for unity. Um, we see marriage basically, you know, started in the book of, of Genesis. Jesus did his first miracle in, um, in John at the wedding of Cana of Galilee. And then at the end of the book of the Bible, the Revelation, it's a wedding supper of the Lamb. So it's all the way through, you know, kind of seamed through the Bible. Paul talks about and uses the illustration of you know, the Lord is uh, the, uh, basically he is the, the groomsman that's going to come back. Right. Jesus talks about it. Um, the, the church is his bride. And so it is the, the institution that God most relates to his relationship with mankind. It's an intimate, personal thing. 
And so it's something that has been, they've tried to redefine it in our culture. Um, it is recognized everywhere else as something else, but what it was intended for was a union between a man and a woman before God. And whether it is law of the land or not, and, you know, it, it is something that every man will have to answer to God before uh, his relationship before God. Uh, so it's a super important issue. Even though the issue has been settled in courts since 2015, it's going to be something that's going to be debated in, um, in religious circles and, and for a very long time. Or do you add to that way? I mean, so much can be said about the importance of marriage and, and how it has been devalued. Um, but I, I, I believe we're talking to a large majority of believers right now and stressing the importance of voting. And mar- marriage is, is an institute, like we keep saying, it's, or, or it's ordained by God and not to be redefined by man. So you see this uh, generation of, of a view of marriage because God has been taken out of society and God has been taken out of um, the schools and unfortunately God has been taken out of some pulpits and God has been taken out of the home. And so you remove God, and you have a low view of what he's instituted. You know, I wanted to break down that biblical view of marriage because it's important, as we were saying, you have to be able to identify what each party platform stands with when it comes to marriage because it is important because a lot of things rise and fall on the, those foundational. You'll, you will see principles that will be driven in different aspects. So if you go to, you know, the Democratic um, side convention, uh, their platforms, you can see it for yourself on the Internet. Uh, Same thing with the GOP. You can look at both. Um, When you look at the brochures for the the, the Republican, all their stance are pretty much exactly the same as they were in 2016 to the 2020. Uh, Obviously, with um, the new election or Democratic with Biden and, and Harris, um, as you go through their platform and all their stance as well, it's a little bit um, not so much defined completely in their thing, but I will say Democratic as a whole, the stance are continually the same. Let me just read you really quick what it says here on their stance uh, for mar- marriage. Uh, for the Democratic side, it says it supports the redefinition of marriage through the court's judici- judicial uh, activism um, and they that recognize the LGBT people have the right to marry the person that they love. Um, on the Republican side, it says, the American family is the foundation of civil society and the cornerstone of the family is natural marriage of the union of one man and one woman. And we condemn the Supreme Court's ruling in uh, the case that Scott uh, mentioned and we urge it to reversal, whether through judicial reconsideration or constitutional amendment, returning control over to the states of marriage. Now, why I read that and why I wanted to kind of bring that up to maybe turn the corner in our discussion right now is because when you continue remote, like Wade mentioned it right now, when you take God out of your life, when you take God out of your nation, you know, principles are going to follow in a lot of ways. And if we just look at our current time, go back to 2000, I wrote down a few things. So in February 2004 was when the first gay marriage was legal here in the state of California in San Francisco 
at that time. A few months later in May of 2004, it was in Massachusetts. And as you mentioned, by 2015, now in 2004 or 2008 actually, was Proposition 8, where it actually was denied. It was actually voted not even in the state of California. I find it interesting, and I did a little bit more research on it as well. Orange County, San Diego County, San Bernardino County, Riverside County, even L.A. County actually voted against Proposition 8, which would identify um, same-sex marriage. It would later be overturned by the Supreme Court, and then years later in 2015, uh, by the Obama administration, it was um, any kind of bans across all states was completely lifted marriage was between a man and a woman and it was overwhelmingly voted by you know three quarters of the United States I mean yeah it was it was a big thing so I say that because I said 2004 for the the first gay marriage legally 2015 it's been um, the band lifted all across now we're here in 2020 now I want to discuss as we're talking about where biblical role of marriage is being eliminated in, in a lot of ways or trying to or it's being added to in popular culture today there is a downplaying of the nuclear family and when i say nuclear family i mean a, a man and a woman a husband and a wife with children and the home um, there are many organizations that actually fight against the, this norm there are many television so shows, our media almost, as you kind of mentioned, Dale, a second ago, almost downplay the importance of that role of a father in the home, the role of the mother, and almost make it seem like it's a prehistoric notion. Let's talk about that a little bit, Dale, where there is almost like an attack on that nuclear family. Well, you know, it, it, you can call it an attack. If it is an attack, it's a um, subliminal attack. It's a... Um it's a desensitizing of our children to accept a lie, to make it sound normal, the defining of, uh, of a marriage. Um, now, we're all Christians, and I think this is the importance of us putting Christians in office. Uh, I, I want to know the candidates' beliefs. I, I want to know in regards to these topics, what he believes in. Because I want him defending me against the attack. Mm -hmm. But the attack is so subtle. It, it comes in advertising. It comes in comic books. It, it, it comes in coloring books. You have to really be careful what you hand your child these days, and that's sad. You have to be careful where, where you allow them to go, places that were very harmless before, like Disneyland, America's happiest place on earth, or the happiest place on earth it's uh, advertised as. And now I'll ask you, is it really? Or are you sending them through a door that will cause them to believe a lie? They're, they're, they're really um, uh, disguising their agenda well, and that is to uh, change the moral um, 
the, the moral character of our nation. We were a nation under God, and if any of you heard the, and, you know, I don't think it's Democrat, Republican. I think it's right and wrong that we have to look at here. But during the DNC, they said the, the Pledge of Allegiance. They neglected one nation under God. Not once, not twice, but three times. Jesus said, if you abide in me and I abide in you, we'll do great things. But without me, you can do nothing. So I would ask every Christian that's watching this right now to not only listen to what's being said here, but to take it to the next level. Tell somebody. Tell somebody to vote. Tell, tell them to vote biblical. Tell them to research the issues. Tell them to, take great, to go to great lengths to put Christians in office because the, the family is at stake. Our, our, our great nation is at stake. Uh, it's not a small matter anymore. Wade, what would you say as far as like, as we are talking about biblical marriage, talking about the nuclear family, meaning um, what God had des designed it for, but some of the downfalls when you compromise that nuclear family or the biblical view of marriage? Yeah, I want to echo, to start, just what Dale just mentioned, that we, we have to divorce our minds from Democrat and Republican. We have to b a vote based on biblical ethics. And, and this really has very little to do with uh, Democrats and Republicans. And we have to, for a lot of people who have been raised a specific way or have followed a specific party platform for their whole life, need to really take a step of faith and, and honestly evaluate uh, what they say they believe um, and, and vote accordingly, knowing that uh, what's at stake here. And I, I think we have to understand that same-sex marriage undermines the meaning and the nature of marriage, and by so, it demeans the well-being of families. Um, for future generations to come. And as you were mentioning, that same-sex marriage is it's a, it's a demonic assault on God's purpose of a family. Satan hates life. The Bible says that he comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus came to give us life in that more abundantly. Uh, when um, In the book of Genesis, when Noah and his family came out of the ark, the Lord told them to be fruitful and multiply. Uh, I don't not to be insensitive here, but I don't, what, I don't care what way you slice the pie, two women cannot produce a child, and two men cannot produce a child, uh, no matter how you feel as an individual. Um, and so you see it's, a, it's an all-out demonic assault on life. Um, we as believers, as people, as a human race, the Bible says that we are created in the image of God, and Satan hates that. Um, and we can do something that Satan can't do, and that is... is procreate and produce more people made in the image of God. So Satan hates life, so he hates family, and he uses, as Pastor Dale was alluding to, he's very deceptive, he's very cunning, he's, he uses lies and, and deception, and he plays on people's emotions and makes them feel a specific way, and if it's culturally accepted, then I can ex I'm free to express these views and entertain these views, 
but it's the church's responsibility to not let darkness prevail and to be salt and light and to and uh, counteract the darkness because we have to it's a it's a fight for truth now and you remove truth from a society you remove truth from a culture you remove truth from the family you have no foundation to stand on. That's why I said in the beginning, it's all about the family. Satan is trying to destroy the family because if you can't produce children, you're not producing a family and you're not moving forward in the call of God upon a family's life. Scott, like I said, you know, family is so important. And though, you know, you mentioned, you know, some of these rulings have, you know, taken place in a courtroom, but it doesn't mean that we ever divorce ourselves from what we know to be true what we know to be biblical and why what exhortation would you give the people when it comes to to this aspect yeah i think you guys kind of hit on it earlier too it was you know getting party affiliation out of the way it wouldn't matter what party the person belonged to or what they called themselves if they closely related to my biblical moral and ethical views and I put it in that prospect, biblical, moral, and ethical. And all those things come as Christians from our, our view of Scripture. I know a lot of Christians, even within our own church, that have voted for, you know, things that are biblically immoral. You know, actually supporting stances on certain things that are absolutely biblically and morally wrong. But it makes me wonder, is their allegiance more to a party? Are they culturally steered or are they biblically based? Because there's a lot of people in the church that don't know their Bible, and if they do, they put that aside based on, you know, their, their, their perspective or whatever. So I, be, I believe we have to take a look, A, first of all, what is, and you said, we said earlier, the biblical view of marriage. We already saw that, that God designed it between a man and a woman, that they should go be fruitful and multiply. And he said it plainly, two women can't multiply, two men can't multiply outside of science, right? And so we look at that and we know what God's original design was. Okay, the law is in place now. Uh, the states can now recognize marriage between same-sex partners. But it does not mean that the church has to, to, to bend to, to Caesar, so to speak, in that aspect. Because they just passed a law that made certain drugs legal. Does that mean I'm going to give them to my kids and say, hey, or have at it? No, because I know that those things are destructive to my children. You and I know this because we've all partaken of those things. They're not good things. So certain practices are absolutely destructive to the marriage, to the moral fabric, to our Christianity and everything else. So those are things we're not going to adopt. Do I ever stop fighting those things? I fight them on my knees in prayer. I combat them through the Word of God, through the teaching. Do I hate those people? I like what Dale said. I love everyone. I don't hate it, but I hate anybody. But when it comes to sin, I'm going to stand on the same side as God. I'm going to say this is right and this is wrong be it what it may. And if I have to make a stand on that, just like, like my pastor, I'll do that. I think we as Christians have to have a voice, especially in the voice of all the people that are they're screaming what they want to say right now. There has to be a voice of reason. The voice has to be still, has to be small, and it has to be like the voice of God. As he speaks to us, we speak to the people. Whether they want to hear it or not, like Jeremiah, our purpose and our, and our, and our calling is to, is to teach the word and tell people what it's all about. And that's why we got to vote. We've got to get our, our, our feelings and our, and our thoughts and our, and our stance out through the voting process because that's what God has given us and able to do that. I want to hit on one more point before we begin to, to wrap up, and that is let's talk about marriage for a second, but you know, not even focusing on the homosexual aspect, but let's talk about marriages as a whole that are being hit. We know divorce rates are high, but also 
um, because of there is a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Maybe because marriage isn't as reverent as it once was. There's a lot of people that don't marry. You know, it, there's stats that are coming out that there is that, that lack of commitment or they, people live together for a long period of time without taking the role of marriage or people just stay single and stuff to themselves. Um, some don't want to have children. Um, I've heard it said before, you know, there's a lot of people that see a lot of things going on in our world today and like, man, like how did things get this bad? How is there so much chaos? You know, how can I change the world? You know, is it a social post I do? Is it, you know, standing on the corner and saying something, whatever. I, I, I like the response to, you want to change the world, like go home and be invested in your home. Pour into your family, pour into your children and, and multiply a family that can impact the community. Dale, we kind of talked about this a little bit yesterday as well. What would you add to, to that, that, that discussion as far as we're seeing those stats? Because, I, I mean, you're older than us. Um, you've been around. You've been married for, for many years. Um, when it looks at, like, people that are not marrying as they once did or maybe marriage isn't on the level as it once was. Yeah, the commitment to marriage isn't what it once was. And there's a reason for that. It's been, you know, marriage in itself has been watered down the commitment has been watered down because like um, it's been said here that the, the world has taken god out of the school system the government did any lack of of uh, christian oversight or you know voting in the wrong people i think is a part of that now, there's a lot of things that that helped take god out of the school well we're, we're down to the point where god has been taken out of the home and uh, as as much as I hate divorce within a marriage, um, what's happened now is um, marriage is, is, is almost looked upon as not necessary. We'll live a happy life and we'll not, we won't be married. And that way, when we decide that we don't love each other, we can move on and there's not all this hassle with uh, community uh, belongings. They find it easier, and the world we live in today is is a, a matter of convenience. Marriage isn't a matter of convenience. Um, marriages that are good marriages are good because they've gone through some difficulties, and they've overcome them, and they've been strengthened by their tragedies and the, and the difficulties that they've faced. Uh, that's the beauty of marriage. That is the beauty. That's what draws people closer to one another when you don't bolt and run. But today they're not even getting involved with marriage. You know, it was uh, Jesus who said as he was questioned about when he would come again and when would the coming of the Son of Man take place. He said as in the days of Noah and there will be giving and taking in marriage. A loosening of the God uh, ordained marriage, uh, a, a watering down and a weakening of it. I always tell young people when you get married, you may say, I do, and promise to love one another forever, but you won't unless you first love God. And the commitments we make as pastors um, when we join couples together in marriage must always include 
that we are at the altar of God and we're making a commitment to God because it's the commitment to God in marriage that is more serious than the commitment to one another. I, I, I love that because marriage, there's sacrifice, there's dedication, there's commitment that it, that is needed. Scott, what would you add to that as well as far as the, the, the importance of, of marriage as a whole? As we've moved away from the homosexual topic, more so on exhortation for marriage to stay, stay together and making them a priority. You know, I like what Dale said. Uh, he said that, uh, you know, it's not always going to be about emotion. It's about a commitment. It's about a sacrifice. And, and marriage is, is I, I can't imagine how people do it without God because it's kind of difficult sometimes with the Lord. Especially, I mean, Dale's been married a lot longer than us and he's got a lot of experience on it, but just the daily things that we deal with in relations and kids and everything, and then taking God's word and trying to, to make that like basically a part of our, our diet, our daily diet for our kids and, and how to live a life that I wasn't raised in. And to me, it's super important because it's what I think it's going to do for, for us to strengthen our marriages is, is, it, is it's going to like, it's going to tighten up that fabric that's been loosened over the course of many years. I think I, if you just look at history, there's been times when the, the history was loose during the 60s and the 70s. And then it got a little tighter. You know, people started coming back to their roots and stuff. I, I even heard somebody said like, man, when you're young, everybody's liberal. But then when you get older, you get a lot more conservative. And it's true. And that's not talking politics. Politics, that's talking about even your view towards God. The, the marriage is what keeps us as, as, a, as a nation together, but more importantly, it keeps us close to God. If God used that as an, opera, as a, as an example of his relation to us and his relation to the church, then he's, he's showing us the emphasis how important it is and how we need to guard it and how we need to build it, how we need to strengthen it, and how we need to encourage other people to do the same thing. So I think even though the issue may be played out for some people, it's always going to be the number one priority for us as Christians to keep, keep that in the forefront of our minds and our hearts strengthen it going back biblically Wayne when we look at the Old Testament and we know it well the first five books of the law and we we look at the book of Joshua that comes right after and as all the lessons that have been learned through the wilderness uh, Joshua uh, came with a stance and, and a communication at the end of Joshua ch chapter 24 that many of us know many people out there know as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And all the people in unison agreed, yes, we too will serve the Lord. We know what happens after that. There was that generation that was dedicated. But talk to that a little bit, Wayne, an exhortation to the church right now as far as marriage, making that stand biblically, making sure that God is the center of their home. You're, you're, as it's been said, as you were mentioning, it wasn't but a generation after Joshua made that proclamation that there arose a generation who did not know the Lord. And that was a neglect of the previous generation who, who swore that they would teach their children um, everything that the Lord did, um, neglected to do that. And thus you go into the book of Judges and you see another downfall of the nation of Israel. There's multiple Psalms that chronicle the history of the nation of Israel. Uh, Psalm 106, um, portions of 107, Psalm 136, and there's this huge emphasis in the beginning of those Psalms 
of instilling, instilling the truth and how they were commanded to instill the truth of what the Lord did for them um, to their children. And because they failed to do this, um, idols were erected, and they were given over to pagan worship, and they were given over to idolatry. So then ultimately the Lord brought judgment upon that generation. So if we're failing as parents to teach our children, that is the only... Uh, my wife and I talk about this a lot. The, the only security we have for the future of our children, no matter what's going on in this world, is to instill truth into them and to instill biblical truth into them and teach them about the Lord and the ways of the Lord so that when they're out and they're growing up and they're working through their decision-making process, that the Holy Spirit will bring those words back to remembrance and give them a biblical standard to judge their deci- their decisions off of. Uh, that needs to be the investment, as, that needs to be the focus of the family, not uh, making money or getting new things or, or anything else. It's investing in your marriage and investing in your children, and the Bible talks about the benefits of that, the benefits of of sowing into your children. The Bible talks about in the, in the Proverbs to, to be diligent to know the state of your flock. And when you, you take care of your children um, in the future, they take care of you. And so there's this, this generational uh, security that is given to us in, uh, in, in instilling and teaching and discipling our children. And maybe that's what's taking place right now in our nation is the world is being unmasked and the evil of it for what it really is and prayerfully it's causing the the church the people of god to examine themselves and to examine their families and ask themselves have i missed the mark and can i then again fall on grace and know that god is for me he's not against me and to begin investing in the marriage investing in the home investing in your children because if we don't teach them the truth the world is certainly going to teach them the lie perfect example I, lo- I love that example because you have to stand and this is one of the things that we we talked about earlier as we opened up and a- a- as we close dale um what would you say to those that are out there maybe an exhortation because if you're li- th- if people are just thinking short term they're just thinking 2020 what's going to work out for me now what do i think is best now and not think about how this is going to be connected to four years, but everything is connected. If you don't stand now, what is it going to take for you you to stand? And there are young generations that are going to be impacted by the decisions of many across this nation and their voting. Just give an exhortation to voting on that mindset. You know, I I, I hesitate to, to tell anybody to do this just for the election because then it just focuses upon a, a political platform. This isn't a political platform we're, we're discussing here. This is a biblical mandate. This is what God's Word tells us to do. And, and, if, and if I were to encourage or to exhort anyone in regards to marriage— let it be a biblical marriage. The raising of your family. Let it be a biblical raising of your family. Then, will you, then you will have done all you can do. I think the worst case scenario in every father's life is to have lived his life and at the end of his life to have regrets 
because he didn't do everything he could do. I know I have mine, but I feel I have an opportunity now, regardless of the election taking place on November 4th. We, we should be having this discussion regardless of the election because whatever we're going to do, it needs to be done today. It needs to be done today. You don't wait till tomorrow to address this. Go home and talk to your wife about it. Talk to your children about it. Let them know the standard is going to be the biblical standard in the home. And do it with a sense of urgency and with every Christian that we're speaking to right now. And I pray there's non-Christians watching. It might sound confusing to them. But there should be a sense of urgency in every Christian's heart right now. Because of the moral temperature of the land, the coldness that exists, the lack of godliness, those who mock Christ and the Bible. I've never seen so much of it. It's in cartoons. It's in sitcoms. Almost every sitcom you see today revolves around a buffoon as a father. Wholesomeness and moral character in the family has to return. If we're going to exist as a nation under God, I guarantee you, and we're on the brink of the end. The, 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 if it gets worse, like Reagan said, we won't be one nation under God. We'll be one nation under. And I pray that never happens. Our goal in having these podcasts is to kick up, kick up a discussion, a discussion about moral principles and as has been stated through this, it is not our heart, it's not our goal to force anyone to vote any particular way. But what we do encourage, what we do exhort, is that you get your Bible, you get your family, you pray, you look at all the stands, you line up your Bible, and you pray. And you go by, and you're led by the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Can I vote this way or that way and have peace with God? That is the important issues that are facing our nation today. We encourage you to continue to um, listen to all of these podcasts that are going to be released, all of the devotions that we're going to give you as tools to encourage you in your walk with God. We encourage you to vote in 2020. Vote for righteousness. Vote biblically. This is going to be here on the Somebody Loves You YouTube worldwide, so we encourage you to subscribe so you can get notifications of all of these videos and content that we're going to be doing. You're going to hear from Pastor Rawl as well in the upcoming shows. And so you want to be a part of this. Take this video, share it with other friends and family. You can like, uh, like the, the video and also you can comment. We want to hear from you. We love you guys so much and we'll see you guys next time. Take care.